Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Cracking It Open with Mike. And Elise. Today, well, we've done these before, but we are rebranding this as the Six Pack Series. Woo! Uh, this is a six pack series on stouts. It's where we bust <laughs> open a bunch of beers. We did it on pumpkin beers, Christmas beers. Um, second round of Christmas beers. Second round of Christmas beers. <laughs> second round of pumpkin beers. Second round of pumpkin beers and Saison's. Yep. So that is now considered the six pack series. And this is a six pack series on stouts and porters <laughs> and mostly stouts, but also mostly porters. So this time I'm the beer fesser. What? Can I, can I be honest with you? Can I let you in on something? Uh-huh. I'm actually kind of nervous. Aww. I'm part of three podcasts. I do my own audiobooks. I've even done the two player bros podcast by myself sometimes, but I'm actually a little nervous about taking the reins of beer fesser. Oh, that's cute. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't believe you. Because you're, you're good at everything, but that's fine. I am a little nervous. <laughs> I hope I have the right notes. I don't know how you do your notes. It's like, how many notes is too much? How many and it's not enough? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You could have asked. I didn't want you to fly no, completely so long. Here we go. Are you ready to I'm, dive in? I'm ready. we got a lot of stouts to cover. So let's dive right in to the history of stouts. What, what the hell is a stout beer? What the hell is a stout beer? So the word stout originally referred to just a strong black beer. Mm-hmm. It's just a porter, basically. So according to a letter published in A History of Brewing by H.S. Coran, the earliest recorded use of the word stout in describing a beer was 1677. And all he said was, we will drink your health both in stout and best wine. So it was almost referring to wine, just strong and good wine, basically, because stout meant, you know, strong. And Uh, there's, there's no relation really to port or porter, port being wine and porter being beer. Right, there isn't. Okay. So it's just kind of a word that went out there in term in in the world of vibations or whatever, <laughs> if you will. So while many hold the tale that Ralph Harwood of Bell Brewery in Shoreditch was responsible for brewing the first ever porter style beer, it seems that stouts and porters are kind of both the same. So to ask us what is a stout, you have to really first ask what is. A porter. 
What is a porter? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a style of beer that was developed in London, England in the early 18th century. That's the 1700s for you who don't know the how to tell time. Uh, it was well hopped and dark in appearance owing to the use of a brown malt. So it's a little sweeter. It's a little bit more cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, the name originated from its popularity with street and river porters. Uh, so in 1802, John Feltham wrote a version of the history of the porter that's been used as the basis for most writings on the topic. But most people don't think it's actually real. And it's all based on a letter written by another guy, Obadiah Poundage, uh, who did work for a long time in the brewing trade in the seven uh, in the 1760s. Feltham badly misinterpreted parts of the text about this beer because he wasn't really sure of what 1700s brewers were calling things. So he claimed that in 18th century London, a popular beverage called Three Threads was made consisting of a third of a pint of ale, a beer and a two penny, which was the strongest beer, uh, costing two pence a quart. Hence, two Ooh, penny. big spender. Right? <laughs> uh, so it's like just three beers mixed together. In about <laughs> seven. T- so that's the equivalent of what do they call when you like pour out the mat from the end of the bar at, at the end of the night? Oh, that, like- <laughs> oh, I can't remember what you call that. But basically, uh, it's about 1730. Feltham said a brewer called Hardwood made a single beer called Entire or Entire Butt. <laughs> B-U-T-T, which uh, recreated the flavor of Three Threads and became known as the Porter. But again, this is a theory that most people say doesn't really hold water or uh, beer in this in this case. Ah, I see what you did Because it's all based on just some letters some guy wrote and they don't really have a lot of proof about this actually being the history. Mm -hmm. But Porter is mentioned as early as 1721. It was the first beer to be aged in the brewery. Until then, most beer was sent out to uh, was sent out really young and you know kind of not finished mm-hmm. and it was aged by the dealer or distributors afterward uh so this was after bottling or while it was still in the barrel i guess they would probably just serve them in barrels to pubs and stuff yeah uh so it was also the first beer to be easily produced in mass quantities it was popular due to its strength strong taste because back then the water was real bad especially <laughs> the river thames oh uh, that's a whole different thing so water quality is super important to a beer and the River Thames was notoriously would make you throw up. Even if you lived near it, it was that bad. Ooh. So you wanted something that would really kill the taste of that water. So strong <laughs> yeah, beer taste. I think so. Strong beer was really important back then. Uh, and that's why even, you know, kids and, and women and uh, pregnant women and stuff were drinking, you know, alcohol or, or beer mm-hmm. with, to some alcoholic extent. Yeah. Because you wanted to kill some of the bacteria in this terrible, gross smog water, especially in London. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it also took longer to spoil than other beers and was not greatly affected by heat. Uh, and this is conjecture on my part that probably also not sunlight because of how dark it was, kind of like a darker mm-hmm. bottled beer. So if it wasn't as spoiled as easy or as affected by heat, I would wonder if it was also not as affected by sun. Like, you know, Corona, Modelo, those have the oh, clear bottles, so the- those spoil faster. That's why you put them in dark bottles. Oh. But I also wonder if the clearness of the beer has something to do with how fast uh, sunlight can destroy your your brew. Interesting. Right? Even Guinness was originally labeled, and you kind of went over this when we did the uh, St. Patrick's Day episode, mm-hmm. Guinness was labeled as an extra superior porter back when it was originally brewed. Yep. And it wasn't until 1840, so quite a few decades later, that it was named renamed an extra stout. Yeah. Yeah. So it did take a long time for that to happen. And then as porters became more and more popular, named because porters really liked it, uh, on oh, docks and stuff like that. Okay, That's yep. how it got its name. 
So they started labeling porters, ports mm-hmm. as porters as they became more popular. So they were called extra porters, a double porter, and stout porters because people wanted them stronger and stronger, especially dock workers. You yeah. know, it's a crap job. <laughs> you want to forget your day. You want those triple X's. <laughs> uh, so stout porters became a thing. And as kind of Guinness kind of popularized uh, the patented black malts that they used. So they used, that's why Guinness is so dark. They used patented black malts. Technically, it's ruby. Ooh, that's right. You said that. Uh, So that's why stouts kind of became as Guinness started relabeling themselves stout. Stouts kind of got that notion of being super dark. Mm -hmm. So they're like like super dark porters, essentially. And that's all they are. There's really no difference between a porter and a stout other than its strength. And you can really take or leave most of it other than uh, stout is going to be known to have a stronger, uh, heavier maltiness to it. And uh, is a darker, heavier beer or a darker, heavier porter, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of say, well, that's a stout. And obviously there are many different types of stout now, which we'll kind of go over as we drink more stouts. The one we don't have is like an Irish dry in this batch. Oh, okay. So an Irish dry just use, which I only am mentioning because I think the history is fun. Mm-hmm. Back then, your malts were taxed as you brown them, as you as you cook them. Oh. In your beer. So to get around that uh, in Ireland, they would not cook their malts at all <laughs> and just use dry malts, like fresh malts <laughs> and put it in there because it was cheaper. They weren't taxed as much if it wasn't cooked as much. So they <laughs> would put the this man. dry hop. Yeah. And it became its its own flavor and became very popular. Hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons Guinness has become a very popular stout is because I think we went over it in World War II during the rationing in the United Kingdom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of breweries were told they had to scale down their production. Ireland was not as restricted in those rules as other places in the UK. So Ireland started making, especially Guinness, started really pouring out their stouts and people were looking for stronger beers. As time went on, you became taxed more on your gravity of your beer, which we've Mm -hmm. gone over a couple of times is the density of your beer. Yep. So people started making it weaker and weaker and weaker after World War II because Mm -hmm. more tax on it and restriction on uh, goods. So it became more expensive to make beer. So you made it weaker yep. and, and less dense until people really didn't like stouts anymore. It was just kind of a gross style of yeah, beer. Yeah, I think, didn't we talk about that with uh, Schlenkerla, I think? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. How the war affected it. So mm-hmm. stout beers, like we've mentioned in when we talk about Guinness, across the board, all became super unpopular for a long time until about the 1980s. It, it kind of blew up, especially with Guinness and stuff like that. And now craft breweries are picking it all up. Yeah. But- there are some other styles of beer that really kind of died as well, even before that. But that's kind of what killed stouts. And now stouts are kind of coming back. Hmm. But they're all just kind of porters, which I thought was interesting because I never knew what the difference was. What exactly was. the difference was. Yeah. Uh, there is also one other porter we're not going to do is the oyster stout, which well, we talked about with uh, one Devil's of the breweries Purse. with Devil's Purse uh, that we wanted to try. I wanted to try it out of morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. So... Doing my research, I found out that it's because way back in the day, oysters were cheap and readily available because we hadn't overly overfished them yet. Oh, okay. So they were super, super common back like how lobsters were used for kind of slaves back in the day and were just yeah. common food. And it's like, oh, have a lobster. Yeah. Because we hadn't overfished them to the point of being a delicacy or, or gain popularity. Yeah. So they were cheap and available. So some pubs and stuff would just add them to the beer to make them essentially liquid meals for people, or you hmm. keep them on your boat to make it liquid meals. Oh, it would, interesting. It salt and the protein and all that. It was, it's very kind of nutritious for when you're out and about. Huh. But then obviously it got super expensive. 
but people have kind of brought it back. Uh, it is earthy and salty notes. Adds earth and salty notes to your beer, mm-hmm. which again, I think that's gross. But I also thought that uh, Geyser Goza was going to be gross. Yeah, and that's got kelp and seawater kind of in it. Yeah, and plankton. So yeah, or seaweed. So I think I would definitely try it because who knows? It might also become my favorite beer. <laughs> I think in a weird way, it probably would. I don't know because stouts are so different than like a a sour or a goza. But that's what I got right now in terms of what a stout is. Okay. So I think before we start cracking these open, mm-hmm. why don't you tell the people your thoughts on stouts? Like I like them, but what what is it about a stout right now? What are we kind of identify about stouts or porters that really kind of turn you off? I mean, I I feel like I have become more accepting of stouts over the years. Whereas, you know, if you asked me five years ago, if I like stouts, it would be a flat no. Oh, you would have spit my Guinness back into the cup. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. At this point in time, I really like the, the chocolatey, the nutty, the malty notes of a stout. It's more so the carbonation of specifically Guinness. Like the, I don't know if it's the the nitro pour or if it's Guinness itself. Well, the nitro pour, that, I think, is the main thing. It it, get, it takes away carbonation from something. It makes it smooth. Yeah, which I don't know. It, there's something about Guinness's l- lack of flavor to me, combined with the lack of carbonation, that just does not please my tongue. Because, and I say the 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 flavor because I do like a certain other nitro stout that we will kind of be touching on today. Not the nitro version of it. Yes, but we yes. will be touching on it. Yep. Be- and I think be- it's because of those more coffee, chocolatey notes. So it's much more flavorful, but it you, makes it more interesting. You generally avoid stouts or porters at breweries when we go, you'll try mine, but you generally yeah. avoid them. So what is it about them that you avoid even when they're not necessarily nitro? I don't know. I just, I find the other all literally all of the other styles of beer to be more fun <laughs> do you think that they're and too I, heavy I also, is it the heaviness the oh gravity? absolutely that's a that's a big factor if there's any time of the year that i'm going to order a stout for myself it would be fall or winter that's it see i tend to agree but all my research everyone who talked in a lot of the videos i watched mm-hmm. were talking about how everybody who loves out is like we're trying to make it year round you can have it when it's 90 degrees out nope. blah blah, blah. <laughs> and I, I do also disagree and i don't think we're going to have any I don't think that's going to change my mind during this episode, especially since I do have stouts and porters often, but mm-hmm. we'll see because we are getting more springy now. We're doing yeah. this episode a little later than we planned. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Kept getting pushed. <laughs> so without further ado, adieu. let's uh, get that six back. Yeah. So we'll be opening these with a bottle opener that was given to me by a coworker and friend, Tommy <laughs> Lewis. Uh, and he got a, Awesome diesel looking, uh, this diesel looking bottle opener right Nice. Uh, so thank you, Tommy. We will be thank opening you. these bottles in your honor <laughs> with your bottle opener. Yes. So the first one we're going to start off with is a big boy. Yeah, it is. This, uh, this young man right here is one pint, 2.7 fluid ounces, kind of like the Schlenkerla that we had. Mm-hmm. It is European as well. It is Samuel Smith Old Tavern. Tadcaster, the celebrated oatmeal stout. That's right. It's like a boxer. It's got like nine names before you say what it really is. Uh, (laughs) So this thing I thought was really cool. Uh, Samuel Smith beer is beer I've had a bunch of times before. We haven't really talked about it on the podcast before. It's a super old brewery, which I'll kind of go over. Uh, We're not going to go over a lot of the breweries too in depth. Most of them we have already covered or 
just we're doing six beers, so we'll cover them in detail when we do another beer <laughs> of theirs. But Samuel Smith, I did think, deserved the recognition. Yeah. So let me just read the back of the bottle first, because this kind of will give you a background on the beer, and then I'll give you a background on the brewery. So the celebrated oatmeal stout, <laughs> an opaque, wonderfully silky and smooth textured ale with complex, medium dry palate and bittersweet finish, brewed with well water. The original well sunk in 1758 is still in use. Huh. Dope, dope. Malted barley, roasted barley, oatmeal, yeast, and hops. Fermented in open-topped stone Yorkshire squares. Celebrated oatmeal stout is a style benchmark revived by Samuel Smith and the inspiration for hundreds of commercial oatmeal stouts. So this is the OG? This is one of the OGs. Nice. There's a picture of a guy knocking down the head of uh, the stout during fermentation. The ah, stick and the squares. I want to go swimming in that. Uh, I want to go to Samuel Smith's real bad. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to go over Samuel Smith, you kind of got the idea right there. It is Yorkshire's oldest brewery founded in 1758. So while it does not predate uh, Porter's, it is right around yeah. the time Porter's were, were not too popular. far off. And one of three breweries in the town. Samuel Smith's is an unlimited family-owned company and produces a range of beers, stout, uh, bitter stouts, porters, lagers, and fruit beers. It is known mm. as a highly traditional and somewhat eccentric operator of around 200 pubs uh, because these pubs use dray horses, bands, on music, and mobile devices, uh, but also really low beer prices. Oh, well, yeah. So it is like a pub <laughs> in the truest sense. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I really want to go to it. It's, there's, it looks like there's like six or seven different pubs in the uh, area. So nice. they, they have options if one's busy. <laughs> so when we finally go, yeah. uh, we got to check one of those Take out. Take our beer tour. So Tadcaster North Yorkshire, which I guess is why this is a Tadcaster, has produced beer since the 14th century owing to the quality and accessibility of local water supply. That's why those there are three breweries in that town and that's why it is still around and they kind of tout their well water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is rich in lime sulfate after being pumped up from an underground lake of limestone water. It is second only to Burton upon Trent, Stratfordshire as an English brewing center. Two of Tadcaster's three surviving breweries are actually founded by the Smith family. So wow. it's, it's all kind of Samuel Smith's. <laughs> they it's, got a monopoly on beer. <laughs> the old brewery is both the oldest brewery in Yorkshire and the only surviving independent brewery in Tadcaster. They are one of the Few remaining breweries to still use that Yorkshire square system that they mentioned on the back of this bottle. It's a method of fermentation developed in the 19th century to cleanse the beer of yeast, which is why you've got the picture of the guy with a stick scraping <laughs> it off. Uh, most modern squares are made of stainless steel, but Smith's prefers Welsh slate, which they feel helps keep natural carbonation entertained in the beer, huh. uh, imparting a creamier texture. And also because it's dope and they've been doing it for like 400 years. So like, alone. yeah, <laughs> if it ain't broke. <laughs> Uh, for the ales and stouts that they do, so I guess not necessarily the fruit beers, uh, they still draw it from that 85-foot well sunk in 1758. So you're still getting that same well water back before the Constitution was ratified. I, that's crazy to me. That it's nuts. Uh, it's and like, a little gross. <laughs> uh, that's like when you realize this, you're breathing the same air as dinosaurs. It's just, it's just that just blows my mind. <laughs> Uh, and they've been using the same uh, strain for their fermentation since 1900. It's one wow. of the oldest unchanged strains in the in the country of England. I don't know uh, among the world, but certainly I would say probably it beats America. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know that for sure. That's so, really cool. Yeah. And obviously they have dray horses uh, that carry around the beer to 
deliver the beer around the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are one of the last remaining active dray horses in the world. Wow. Yeah. The Budweiser ones are obviously for yep. show. The Clydesdales <laughs> are for show mostly. So they are one of the last remaining ones that actually use them for real to tra- mm. travel around the town because they've got all those pubs and it's a small town. They've got two breweries. Uh, I think that's pretty freaking dope. Uh, so the only thing that makes an oatmeal stout different is malted oats are added to the stout malt bills. Uh, and for a long time, the English would advertise oatmeal stout as a health drink because <laughs> it had oats in it and it was good for you. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Drink up. So, a fancy stout deserves a fancy glass. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, this is a dark beer. I think most oatmeal stouts are Ooh. kind of like, all right, are kind of like the darkest. It's got a big Thick. head. Yes. But I mean, when we talk about Guinness being dark, it might be darker. I can't True, see but any also light the lighting is crap in here right now. Yeah, but even when I put it up to the light, it's pretty opaque. It's pretty opaque. It's got a little bit of that ruby red that like uh, Guinness has, but mm-hmm. I think even darker than that. Wow. All right. So I will have you take the first sip as I am the beer fester and you are taste lady. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I really get those like toasty, oaty notes right off the head. Oaty notes. Oaty notes. Toasty oats. That is smooth as silk. I would agree with that. Interesting though. I, I'm getting a little bit of chocolate too, and I don't know if I'm off on that uh stouts are or or if maybe oat lends that i think stout lends that because if they're so dark and toasty and the malts are so toasted that you get a lot of the sugars Mm -hmm. um from the malts coming up i know that there are a lot of chocolate stouts but i think the chocolate is accentuated when you add the chocolate but i think it's always those notes are there that's that's really enjoyable i expected that to be a little too like heavy Mm -hmm. just be I don't know why I assumed that because it's old, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, I I like that. Oh, yeah. I definitely get the chocolate notes right up front. Okay. <laughs> a little so bit I'm of those toasty ch- uh, coffee notes. But again, these are notes that stouts naturally have. And I yeah. think that the, especially I already know that coffee stouts bring notes that are already there to the top. Okay. So, yeah, the, I, I think maybe that's what kind of confused me a little bit was the fact that we see so many stouts labeled specifically coffee stout or chocolate stout or you know what have you whereas those notes are already there and they're just enhancing them mm-hmm. okay yeah, i would agree it's it's smooth it's got a nice little carbonation to it like it's yeah. some nice bubbles um and it's not heavy and and it's not it's the smell is strong mm-hmm. but the taste is subtle yeah i think i also expected it to taste strong like taste to be able to taste the alcohol yeah, what, that's what the ABV one thing. That? I don't think this lists what the ABV is. It is an English import, so I don't think they I don't have think they to. have to, yeah. But a stout originally was 6.6% uh, mm-hmm. and has gone down over time. So yep. I believe you're looking at something about, you know, Guinness is 4.5 or 5, I believe. Yeah, it's low. Uh, and I, I don't think any stouts are really much above uh, the 5.5 range now. Okay. So that's more of a, a purposeful thing when craft breweries release stouts that are high up there (laughs) that would be an imperial stout ma'am okay yep uh which i don't believe i do don't i did not get any imperial stouts for this because i'm not a fan of imperial stouts uh they have their place and some of them do taste good but they are very strong Mm -hmm. i was thinking about getting an imperial stout but i also realized this is a six-pack episode yeah and i didn't want to destroy us with one single beer thanks i didn't want the nuclear option yeah (laughs) All right, so I wanted to start with the oldest first, but now we're going to start with an actual porter. Okay. 
So this is the only porter on the list that I got, mostly because they're one and the same. Uh, but this is the Breckenridge Breweries Vanilla Porter. Ooh. So, spoiler alert, we had this a couple of years ago already. <laughs> yep. And we both enjoyed it. I've had this many a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy this vanilla porter. This might have been the, one of the first ones that I liked. I believe this was the very first one that you liked. No, oh. <laughs> you wanted nothing does, to do does with this my porter. Predate Espressway? Yes. Okay. Then in yes, terms it of could when be. Had it, yeah. So Breckenridge Brewery is a brewery in Breckenridge, Colorado. It's a small town in the mountains. Uh, it was opened in 1990. Uh, the brew pub looks dope AF. <laughs> Uh, it is actually a brewery and pub, and it looks just like really quaint, kind of cool, all brick. I don't know. I I, I really dig it. It really kind of goes with the style of I think what their bottles yeah. look like and stuff, which have changed. This is not the same style as the original bottle. But what they say about this beer is real vanilla beans from Madagascar combined with caramel and Munich malts create a beer that's balanced and flavorful. Aromas of vanilla and toasted grain set the stage for mellow flavors of vanilla and dark roasted malts. Don't let its deep mahogany color fool you. Vanilla Porter is dark in color and packed with flavor, yet it is as smooth as they come and easy to enjoy at any time of the year. And I would say maybe this is one of the few of, of our six pack that I would say I could maybe drink this in the summertime if I was inside. Mm-hmm. Like if they had it available at like Plan B, the burger bar near us, mm-hmm. um, and it was you know late at night and I've already had my burger, I might get this as my last round. Okay. I could see that. Yeah, I don't remember. I know we had this at Buffalo Wild Wings, but I don't remember like when it was. Uh, it was years and years ago we had a Buffalo Wild Wings. But I since mean, what then, time of year? Yeah, it has returned into diff- in different um, bars and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. actually sold it for a brief time at the bar at my movie theater as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think based on my recommendation. But I definitely sold it during the wintertime. So it's another beer that is dark in color, but not as dark as the oatmeal stout. It's got a little bit of a reddish hue, which is kind of the same for porters. Yeah. Stouts are darker. But I, it's definitely more uh, translucent than, yes. than the Sam Smith one was. Do you, all, you notice what else it doesn't really have? No head. No real or head. Or next, next to no head. Yeah. So all the stouts I think we're going to pour are going to have a huge head. And I don't really think porters generally have as big a head as stouts. I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe the fermentation. Because stouts are fermented longer. Ooh, that vanilla. And almost, there's almost something, almost like a deep red wine note coming at me. Okay. I think that might be the sweetness. There's Um, like a deep fruitiness. Yeah. That might be the vanilla mixed with that burnt toasted malts, but not quite as toasted. That vanilla really lightens it up. It's all I'm getting like right off the top. And then it kind of mellows out into that toasty, toasty malt. That that could very well, like you said, be something that is drinkable year round. Not necessarily out in the sun in 80 degrees, but right. it's not not refreshing. I think it's, yeah, it's pretty refreshing. It's a little syrupy sweet in like a, in like a burnt malt, the toasted kind bit. of well, mapley way. Yeah, I, th- I think... Oh, maple. That's what that's what I was looking for. <laughs> but I, I think, like you said, it would be a good like I've finished my my dinner. This will be my last round. It's almost like a dessert. Yes, it is very sweet, but not so sweet. I don't like it. Yeah, not you know, like, I've had porters and stouts where I'm like, oh, it's like they just poured a whole bunch of simple syrup in it. Mm-hmm. And this is not like that. And I also I love when you're drinking the glass and you're seeing it kind of slide up the glass. Mm-hmm. I love that reddish tone yeah. it has. It's pretty. 
And it's got light carbonation. It is silky smooth. Mm-hmm. And the vanilla is almost cream soda-y. Okay, yeah. As it goes I down because of that burnt I kind of vanilla from. kind of flavor. Almost like, mm, almost like a creme brulee. Yeah, yeah. But again, not quite as sweet as one. Mm-hmm. Very drinkable. Very, like they say, mellow flavor. It really is very mellow. Do you get a little marshmallow? Yeah, I think that's from the the malts, like that just sugary with a little bit of mm-hmm. vanilla. I think that's kind of what marshmallow is. That's a great review of this beer. So yeah, get this beer. Yeah. <laughs> so if I had to put one over the other at this point in time, Breckenridge wins right now. <laughs> I think I think Breckenridge will be winning your thing to begin with. I put it in there as an entryway for you. <laughs> we did the Sam Smith first because it was older and mm-hmm. deserves our fucking respect. <laughs> I, I have an idea of how this list will go, but we'll see because there are a couple surprises that I, a couple more surprises <laughs> aside from the Sam Smith, which I never had before. But there are two others that I, one other I know I've had and one other that I think I've had. You have had two more in this list for yeah. sure. You, or you've tried mine at least, yeah. one of them. Uh, then there's two you have not had and yep. neither have I, but I assume I'm going to like one of them. Mm-hmm. So we will go with that one next. Okay. So the one that I assume I'm going to love is one I picked up because it was my surprise. Well, not really. Yeah, it was my surprise number one mm-hmm. of our Saison episode. Mm-hmm. And that is Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, they had the Saison that we loved, the Tank sev- Tanker 7, it was called. Yep. That actually won the American Beer Festival's award for best Saison, yep. which isn't surprising because it was my favorite and everybody <laughs> knows I have fantastic taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I saw they had a whiskey barrel stout, uh, barrel aged, uh, this is an imperial stout. I'm sorry, we are doing an imperial stout, okay. but it's barrel aged. So I was like, yeah, I think they're all barrel aged. I lied. I, we're doing an imperial stout. <laughs> uh, when I saw it, I couldn't help but pick it up. Well, yeah. Having now it you. seen imperial stout, but still, whatever. <laughs> it's Boulevard. I got to try it. Because yeah. when I said on that, I was like, I got to try everything well, yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, you now. said as soon as you tried the Saison that you actually like enjoyed, I'd have it again. <laughs> that yeah. you had to try something else from them. Yeah. So let's see if they win again. I don't know if they really had. So we've already kind of gone over the boulevard a little bit. You briefly touched on it. The one thing I don't remember you saying is that it's got a rec center in the brewery. Really? It's got a rec center in there. I don't think I saw that. (laughs) And I think that's absolutely dope. It's also got an observation deck in it. It's 10,000 square feet in the beer hall itself. that That I vaguely remember. If you're in Kansas City, Missouri... Uh, go visit them. That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. What's also interesting is that uh, they call it KCMO and everybody, even Google Maps knows KCMO is Kansas City, Missouri. When that was the abbreviation, I was like, what state is that? Huh. Uh, but that's just, how, I guess, how they, a popular abbreviation for it. Missouri. But yeah, the fact that it's got a recreation center in the brewery is <laughs> pretty cool. It looks like you a gotta huge You got to work off factory. that beer somehow. Yeah. So they label the whiskey barrel stout as over the top, but surprisingly approachable. This twist on the classic style starts with several types of malted barley, rye, oats, and wheat. Robust flavors of vanilla, espresso, whiskey, chocolate, and roasted grain are balanced by hints Mm. of date and plum. Okay. With just enough hops to round it all out. Roughly one third of the final blend is freshly brewed beer. The rest is aged for up to a year or more. In both first and second use whiskey casks. That sounds yummy. It sounds theoretically complex. Yes. Uh, but we are going to fail at cracking it open. Aw. That's supposed to be open. my job. <laughs> it slipped. 
Ooh, that's coming out a little thicker. This is Imperial Stout, so I imagine it's definitely, it's, I can tell you in the glass right now, it's a heavier beer. <laughs> you notice it's got the darker. Darker uh, carbonation Carbonation, there. Yep. a little bit more of a head than the porter, but not by much. Not nearly as much uh, as Sam Smith. And I think that's because when it's aged in the barrel, I don't think I've ever had anything aged in a barrel that really had a head, unless I poured it wrong. Yeah, I think you're Off right. Off the top of my noggin. Yeah. <laughs> but this is another dark, dark beer. Dark. But you can tell it's going to be a dark beer because of all the malted uh, barley, rye, oat, wheat, vanilla, espresso, whiskey. This actually has chocolate in it uh, and roasted grain, date, and plum. Okay. This is all dark Which things are, that are yeah, in this. Yeah, but I mean, date date and plum are very commonly paired with chocolate. So I think that's only that only serves to really bring out more sweetness. Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be a very, very... Complex. Just smelling it. Yeah. <laughs> it might just be in my head, but you can smell the date and plum. You can smell the espresso, the vanilla, absolutely the whiskey because it's in the whiskey cast. Yeah. This is a beer wow. that has a lot of flavor going on. This is going to be interesting because I think this is this type of stout that you avoid at breweries and that I always go yeah. for. I think this is why the episode, it's this very is why we came out with the episode is stuff like this that you don't drink that I love at breweries. So am I going for it? This is an episode to convince you to like this stuff. So yes. I did notice your sip was much smaller than when you took the uh, oatmeal stout and the vanilla porter. You went for that oatmeal stout. I wasn't sure if this was going to burn or not because I can, t- I can see what right. the ABV is. So it's, <laughs> I should have said that before. It's 11.8 ABV. Uh, it is an EBC, uh, which I guess is color. I guess the European Brewery Convention of the SRMs of 282. And it's a 32 mm. IBU. I don't know if I could drink a whole thing of this. I, but that being said, this is a very, very interesting beer. Your mouth goes on a roller coaster of flavors as soon as it hits <laughs> your tongue. Um, especially if you you really get your nose in the glass, it like accentuates just adds everything to the experience, I guess. And you, you that fruit is like lingering on my tongue. I was surprised I, how much I could smell of it. I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm surprised how much I could smell of it. I fully appreciate the complexity of this beer. I just don't know if I could drink a whole whole glass. <laughs> oh, it's like drinking syrup, which I expected. Oh, but it doesn't really. It doesn't sit heavy. It, oh, it, the texture of it is almost like you would expect it to be syrupy sweet. It's heavy. I think you took a small sip. This, oh. this is a heavy boy. <laughs> uh, but. My O was, it didn't really burn. No, no. I've had a and lot that, of Imperial that, Stouts that yeah. really like. <gasps> That's why I took a smaller set. <laughs> that had no burn, but I will say that is like syrupy thick. Yeah. Uh, it's very sweet, but not as sweet as it is syrupy, which is nice. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. As something that thick, you would be like, oh my God, it's just going to be like, I have diabetes. And it's real. it really isn't. <laughs> That's nice. Everything works so well together from the whiskey, from the whiskey barrels, that taste, the plum and date. I would say more the dates and the plums are yeah. like that raisiny kind of taste that yes. plum, that dates give off is absolutely in there. And you do get that vanilla uh, and the espresso still in there too. It's like you poured a coffee in there with uh, like a coffee and whiskey See, I, barrels. I can, I can get the coffee notes out of it, but it's not as strong as the others. No, but I think it's kind of being toned down by everything else. But yeah, there's so much going on. Yeah. And for this one, they say flavors of espresso. They might not actually have espresso beans in this. That True. might just be the natural stout flavor. Mm-hmm. 
uh, so they don't need to accentuate it, which I'm okay with because I I think maybe adding too much coffee might overdo it in the bitterness category. Mm -hmm. But I think this is very well balanced in between sweet and bitter. But just like you, I could not get a full glass of this at the brewery. It'd be a short pour. I'd have to get a short pour. But that's fine. That's usually what I get when I get beers like this. True. Because I know what I'm getting into. They wouldn't even give you a a full pour of that anyway, just based on the ABV. Oh, right. But I would get a short pour of whatever they had available. Yeah. Two ouncer. (laughs) Yeah. If they had a short pour glass, it would be an even, it would be a taster, a full taster glass basically. And that'd be like, there you go. So I'm surprised that I like that because generally speaking, the Imperial Stouts tend to be a little too strong for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just in alcohol content, but in like taste flavor. Okay. Like I'll, I'll drink bourbon straight, but I don't expect <laughs> that out of my beers to have the same burning, yeah. which sometimes yeah, happens. Yeah. All right, guys. So that was part one of our special six pack series. That's right. We went too long, <laughs> but that's perfectly okay. The six pack series, I think needs to be two episodes. Yeah. And I think we've gone two episodes before, like our Christmas episode, our pumpkin beer episode. Mm-hmm. So, We'll just have more information to share with you guys and keep it fresh and interesting and fast paced. So be sure to tune in next week for part D where we conclude the tastings and figure out how everything stacked up. What did Elise think? What were her order of beers? Does she like stouts? Does she hate stouts? Is she leaving me? I don't know. Somebody help me. That went a little too much, but I'm okay with it. (laughs) Are you okay with it? Uh, If you guys like this episode, let us know. Let us know if you want us to do more six packs. We're definitely going to do more six packs. That's not. Yeah, it's not really enough. So (laughs) let let us us know know what what six packs. (laughs) 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 It's going to happen. So be the deciding factor. Yeah. Captain us on our journey into six packs. There we go. Find a beer type that you think, based on what you've seen in other episodes, we might not like or might not might really not know have touched a lot of. on. Or yeah, if, I know there's some as like, long as we can order it, we're down. Yeah, in a six pack series, don't give us specific beers that might hinder us. Yeah, or um, or, or maybe give, give us, us a, a few ideas of, yeah. of what you would like us to include. If we, we can go find looking it. for them, like um, I know we haven't really tackled Berliner Weisses a lot. Um, there are other lactose kind of beer like other fruity beers that are a little more like creamy that we haven't gone over as well mm-hmm. um and styles and we'll go over yeah you know european there's a lot of asian styles we haven't really done yet there's a lot of anything on this southern hemisphere you know south got america the whole world Africa. open to us yeah there's so many choices let us know we'll try to find some stuff yes so yeah If you enjoy this episode, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandoneopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandoneopen, or just shoot us an email at crackandoneopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions like we were just talking about because we always want to hear from you. Always, especially if you're a brewery, <laughs> we want to work directly with you and do an interview. <laughs> what um, else you got to plug? <laughs> I've got 
a bunch of other stuff. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with audiences in its initial run, we'll discuss what we love about it. Maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. Uh, you can find Forgotten Cinema on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a bunch of new video series in production as well for different platforms, so keep an eye out on that. I'm sure we'll be plugging that. Forgotten mm-hmm. Cinema is big time now, and we've just celebrated our 100th episode. Woo-hoo! Two Player Bros is another podcast I do with my buddy Dave, sometimes my brother Alex, where we talk, we're two guys who play way too many video games. Join us when we talk about Xbox, PlayStation, PC, VR, Nintendo, Xbox, I think I said that, I don't remember. We have it all. We play it all. That is available at twoplayerbros.com, forgottenentertainment.com, or also wherever you get your podcasts. That's all I got podcast-wise, but I also do audiobooks. My name is Michael Butler. Look for me on Audible. I've done Sour, Coffee at Midnight, Final Girl, The Murder of Kelly Christopher is coming soon. Uh, these are horror books that I have done. If you like horror, go watch them. Go, go listen to them. They're awesome. I've also got Switch, Art, Fraud, and Gangsters, which is a British crime novel where I do British accents. Uh, that's pretty cool too. I've got Vacation Planet. It's another sci-fi novel I've done. Find these books and buy them. I don't get paid unless you guys buy them. And uh, uh, I got my last paycheck. It was like five bucks. It was like 12 bucks. It sucked. (laughs) Buy more books! (laughs) (laughs) And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers! Cheers! I have your expressway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a long night.